Welcome to the New York City Bar Association podcast. In this episode, closing the digital divide. The Digital Technology Task Force explores the crisis of unequal access to digital technologies. Robert A. Marchman and Jolivette Mitchell talk about how this huge issue can hide in plain sight. It touches upon everything from our cell phones, laptops, tablets, internet, artificial intelligence, anything that has to do with technology, and this touches everyone. Robert and Jolivette go over some of the existing efforts to close the gap, as well as existing challenges. We have talked about infrastructure being an issue. Another uh, barrier is, frankly, financial resources being a barrier. Another is ensuring that individuals have digital literacy. This episode also covers some of the pitfalls that even well-intentioned reforms must be careful to avoid. We want to make sure that no one is being disadvantaged or taken advantage of by these new technologies. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the city bar. Here's Robert A. Marchman. Welcome to a conversation on the work of the Digital Divide Subcommittee of the New York City Bar's Digital Technology Task Force. Our committee focuses on understanding the gap between those with sufficient knowledge of and access to technology and those without. Our goal is to educate members of the bar as to the contours of the gap and how we can leverage the resources of the New York City Bar Association to eradicate that gap. My name is Robert A. Marchman, and I am a member of the New York City Bar's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, and also have the privilege of being co-chair of the New York City Bar Association's Digital Divide Subcommittee for the Digital Technology Task Force. And with me is my co-chair, Jolivette Mitchell. Hi, my name is Jolivette Mitchell, and I am, as Robert mentioned, the co-chair of the Digital Divide Subcommittee, which is a part of the Digital Task Force, and I am also the chair of the Consumer Affairs Committee. So before we launch into the conversation today, which we've both been looking forward to, because this is a very important conversation, we do want to give thanks to the co-chairs of the Digital Technology Task Force, Jerome Walker, Lorraine McGowan, and Edward So for their leadership and guidance and direction for the entire task force in, in dealing with important issues that impact not only the bar, when we talk about digital technology, but also society at large. And we also would be remiss if we didn't thank the members of our Digital Divide Subcommittee, whose support and input are invaluable to the work that we do. So let's dive into the discussion. And the first question I have, Jolivet, because today we want to have a dialogue where we, as part of our work, we're looking to educate the city bar with regard to the digital divide. So I'll ask you, what is the digital divide? It's so funny. There's such a simple definition, but it encompasses so much. The, the digital divide is essentially unequal access to digital technology. But when we think about technology, it touches upon everything from our cell phones, laptops, tablets, internet, artificial intelligence, anything that has to do with technology. And this touches everyone. So we're talking about certain communities and certain areas not having access to those technologies. And that's what it is in a nutshell. So when, you, when we talk about communities that are impacted, one of the things you and I have talked about when we've had discussions about the digital divide, and it, frankly, it's been an interesting journey to become more informed about the digital divide. 
who are the communities that are impacted? So we're looking primarily at low-income communities in rural areas that are not near sort of the urban city center. So they're so far out that they don't have the same opportunities that those who live in urban areas or cities like New York City. They're not going to have the same opportunities that we have to access internet or Wi-Fi and things like that. And I would just add to that, I think it's important uh, to note that this is just not a urban um, issue. And while there are discussions about the disparate impact on non-white communities, it's broader. And then there's also a community that we talk about, including in the discussion, and that those with disability. It's a wide spectrum of people who are impacted. And it's important to think about what you've talked about in terms of the broad reach of this, and also to think about, you know, in making sure that we're being inclusive in the discussion. So I appreciate you know, your framing the, the issue. With that said, when we have these discussions, for me, it's always important to answer the why question. For the New York City Bar Association, why should there be a discussion about the digital divide? I mean, if we look back at the past few years, I mean, even before COVID-19, access to digital technology was also an important factor as more and more companies and more and more everyday things that we use are being transferred to our cell phones and to our computers. But I really think that in the past few years since COVID and now as we go into the post-COVID era, that that need for access through technology has just expanded exponentially because everyone was in their homes. No one could really go anywhere. So now we're using technology for Everything that we do from healthcare, getting going onto an app and being able to speak to your doctor without having to go into the office for companies that have meetings for what we're doing right now in this virtual space, having this podcast. So people need to have access to this technology because so much of it is now easily accessible on platforms like our tablets and our smartphones, and we need Wi-Fi and everyone needs access to the internet or some dial-up feature in order to get services. Even if we think about financial services, right? What are we using that for? Payment apps, Google Pay, Apple Pay, Zelle, Amazon Pay, all of that to make a payment for something, whether we're paying a bill or purchasing a product. All of that is what people are using technology for now. And every day there's more and more coming down the pike. And that's why it's so important to focus on how can we fix this inequity? Because so much of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is getting to rely more heavily on technology. And that includes the chat GPTs and artificial mm -hmm. intelligence activities that are going on. I, I Love the answer and touching a number of areas, particularly financial services. And one of the things that I have found and learned as trying to familiarize myself with this important issue is you mentioned the access to these platforms, how they can have impact, frankly, on one's health and well-being, because mm -hmm. as we found during COVID, Technology was a major 
way to access medical care and assistance and think about individuals who were not able to do that and the adverse impact on them. Another item you touched on for individuals listening and thinking about the subject, it's important to think about it in a broader way and connect the dots with regard to, you talked about access to smartphones and tablets, but one of the uh, barriers to access is resources and financial resources. And one of the implications of this digital divide is the wealth gap and looking at some of the reasons for the wealth gap. And, you know, when we have a discussion about the implications and impacts, the digital divide is one of those impacts because of the lack of having financial resources to pay for the, you know, financial search for the internet broadband access. Another point that you mentioned, and I think for the bar, we need to think about there in thinking about this question and we were having our discussions. To me, it's just to elaborate on what you said twofold. One, for the bar, New York City Bar has dedicated itself to looking to broaden access and opportunity for underrepresented and underrecognized communities in the legal profession. And talking about increasing the number of attorney attorneys who are currently underrepresented. And one of the keys to that mission is educational access. And if you don't have the ability, if you think about it early on for many, for uh, students in these, in the community, effective communities we're talking about to avail themselves of opportunities to leverage technology that will enhance their educational opportunities, it's going to prevent them from availing themselves of potentially careers attending college, for example, graduate school, law school, and also, so there's for the bar, if we think about it broadly, it impacts, frankly, what the bar is going to look like and whether or not the bar truly believes in diversity, equity, and inclusion and accessibility. If we don't work to narrow that gap, then we're going to be losing out in some very valuable talent. So that's one thought. And the other, just to pick up on what you said with regard to financial services, since we are New York City Bar Association and their legal implications, there are legal implications potentially with regard to employment. If you think about it in terms of provide, ensuring, if you represent that you're ensuring access to all for your opportunities and you don't take this into consideration, you know, you may have some issues. So also there are issues, um, as was pointed out in a recent study. Uh, that came out actually just in September. And we'll talk a little bit about this later with regard to some of New York State's efforts. But New York State put out a report noting um, the impact that this could have on uh, access to the criminal justice system, mm, locations okay. for the criminal justice system, not having access, for example, being aware that you are supposed to be in court certain date and the adverse ramifications for that. So there are potentially due process and other implications. So it's as you and I have discussed, and I think it, one of the things that we're going to work on is while there are vast societal impacts, this does impact the work of a bar association on a number of different fronts, as just to kind of talk a little about what you had alluded to. And therefore, I'm glad that we're uh, being given the opportunity to work on this because we all need to be educated on the issue. Thanks for setting that framework and helping us as we're moving forward in, in, in this discussion. Because again, the points that you made about access being 
so important. I'll just take it one more step to build upon what you said. We live in a technology world and it's important for folks to have an understanding of being able to leverage that technology and understand it in a positive way. And frankly, when we're talking about impacts on society, it even bears on uh, some of the discussions around disinformation and people having the ability to even access resources to, for themselves, be able to determine whether information is true or false and having the tools to be able to make that determination. One of the major tools that are used today, I mean, we would like to say that they're public libraries. I would tout that as a resource, but the internet is relied on for a lot of people for that. So not having that access, if you think about it, even has an impact on the discussions we're having today about the state of our democracy. Hey, so they're really broad implications. Three words I can think of for this topic as a whole. We have to think about education and then we have to think about access. And then I think this is our next topic. We have to think about action. Mm -hmm. So hey. when we talk about action, we're talking about what's happening at the either local state level or at the federal level. Mm -hmm. And in terms of what are our leaders doing to sort of figure this problem out? We know we know it's a problem. We know that they're talking about it. So why don't you share with us like what's happening at the top, sure. the very the, the federal level? And how is that trickling down to us here at the local level? Sure. What was interesting for me is I, on a positive note, when I started to do research into what was actually being done to try to address the issue, I was pleased to see or find that actually there are efforts underway. But on the flip side of it, as I'll talk about, while there is some movement and there have been actions, there are actions that are, that require a lot more in the way of resources to address the act. So just some examples to point out. We can, back in 2021, the House, excuse me, Congress passed President Biden, Vice President Harrison's proposed Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And in that legislation, there was an allocation of nearly $65 billion to deal with issues that related, that relate to the digital divide. Within that legislation, there's a component called the Digital Equity Act that specifically focuses on providing broadband access to communities that, Jolivet, you had previously talked about. And the, the act focuses on some of the major barriers to um, the divide, that being, as we have talked about, infrastructure being a, an issue. Um, another uh, barrier is, frankly, financial resources being a barrier. Another is ensuring that individuals have digital literacy in order to be able to utilize um, the, the access uh, opportunities. And lastly, there's discussion about even providing the tools, the hardware. So there's $65 billion that was allocated. And that money is under the Commerce Department and specifically it's being administered by the National Telecommunication and Information Administration. And they're responsible for 
the allocation of funds. Interestingly, I will note when the legislation was passed, originally the request was $100 billion to be set aside. And at the time, experts in the field with regard to efforts to bridge this gap had actually said the, the amount that really was needed was about $300 billion. So when I talk about there's been movement, but there needs to be much more movement. And as we'll talk about later, these are the type of areas where the Bar Association can play a role. Highlighting these needs is something to look at. With regard to the $65 billion that's been allocated, NIDA, as the, as the group is called, has, has, it has allocated about a billion dollars to states, to dates, and Puerto Rico under a program that they have set out called the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Act program. And that's important because let's now talk about what's going on in New York state. So specifically in New York state, back in 2022, Governor Hochul launched a, a $1 billion initiative focused on delivering access uh, to high-speed internet. And that's another thing we need to focus on when we're having these discussions because there's broadband, there's different, frankly, speeds at which the uh, broadband is available. But what we're talking about is high-speed internet access that will enable people to utilize things like streaming videos, having full access to the internet. So that's another component when we talk about the digital divide, because you may have access, but if you can't utilize the tools, then it's not really effective. So Governor Hochul's initiative focuses on $1 billion in public and private funds designed to deal with some of the issues that I mentioned with regard to barriers. And just recently, and this is, comes under an office called Connect All, under the Connect All office, they just recently put out a report, actually in September, in which New York State announced its five-year broadband equity deployment, broadband equity access and deployment program, which is called B. Another thing I'll just note that's taken place that's important is back earlier in the year, the Senate passed, New York State Senate passed legislation proposed by Senator Christian Gonzalez titled Internet Access for Temporary Housing Residents in Government Operating Facilities. Again, going back to the importance of providing access to all, particularly children, so that any inequities that they're dealing with now are not exacerbated. That bill is pending in the assembly. On a related note, this legislation, in fact, has been a project that the city bar has worked on for several years in a campaign to get legislation passed that will require high-speed Wi-Fi be provided in all New York temporary housing. The project grew out of work by the City Bar Justice Center and was initially spearheaded by the Social Welfare and Education Committees, although it has since grown to incorporate support from 12 City Bar Committees, including the Task Force on Digital Technologies. The bill passed the Senate last session, as I noted, and we will be working to get it passed by both houses this year. More information is linked in the show notes for this podcast episode. And then the last thing I'll just note, so there are efforts underway at a federal level. I mentioned one, there are others. There's actions taking place at a state level. And also nonprofits are also very engaged in advocating for the bridging of the digital divide. One organization I'll note is the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, which has a goal and mission or a goal 
which is to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to use technology to live, learn, work, and thrive. And so it covers all aspects. One thing to note, and again, this is an area where we can think about collectively. So there are a number of efforts underway and, and that's good, but some commentators have noted that the efforts are not connected and that makes them not as effective as possible. And for example, in 2022, the GAO put out a report identifying a number of government led programs focused on the digital divide, but noted that there's a need for more effective and efficient collaboration among the different programs to ensure that the purported outcomes are being viewed in a manner that you can reach these goals more effectively, efficiently, and utilize the funding in a more efficient manner. That's just a high level snapshot of some of the things that are going on at the federal state and nonprofit arena. But so there's work that's being done, but there's much more that needs to be done. And we can't forget about what's happening since this is the city bar. We can't forget about what's happening at the city level, right? The Mm -hmm. New York Office of Technology, I believe this is a newly created office, fairly recent, and they have a Housing Connect program where they provide Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi, to a lot of the housing communities located here in New York City. And that is sort of one of the first big things the city has done, which is go into the communities, find out who needs access, and is now providing them with that service. So now we're beginning to see, as you said, these little fruits of this push towards fixing that inequality gap. I thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) I I agree. But, and again, it's important that we, it's important that we are informed and thank you for also mentioning the the city because that's critically important drill down. And in fact, to the, to the point that you made, Senator Gonzalez's bill, uh, actually, I believe makes reference to what's happening in the city, wanting to expand on that. So that's critically important. And we need to be informed, the collective we, as we're moving forward, so that we can be effective and efficient with the recommendations that we're making and not duplicating what may or may already be there or proposing solutions that may already exist. So all these efforts are really important to be aware of take stock of the impact of the efforts and also just think about the reach of the programs and are there other areas that need to be considered to expand the existing programs. Absolutely right. And I think that sort of flows into, I guess, what we'll close out with the solutions Mm -hmm. that we see both at again, that national level, the local level, but then also from ourselves at the city bar, like what is next for us and what we're going to be doing with regards to helping and lending our voice to this, the situation, this, this issue. Let me, uh, let me focus on what you and I have discussed with regard to the work of our subcommittee and our, along with our subcommittee members. One of our first priorities 
in addition to doing the type of efforts like they're doing today to provide information, to educate is along those lines to work with the digital technology task force to assist the task force with programming that it is doing. And in that vein, um, the, the task force is going to be holding its first summit in June of 2024. Uh, and we will be part of that effort and we'll be hosting a, um, panel on the digital divide. In addition, we'll be working, um, with other subcommittees on the digital technology task force to have dialogue and discussions regarding the work that the respective committees are doing. For example, uh, there's Joe Lovett, as you mentioned in your remarks about the broad implication of this issue, there is a AI subcommittee. So we've already participated in a meeting with that committee about the work that they're doing, the, the focus of the committee and having a dialogue to see how the digital divide uh, is considered in those discussions. So we'll be part of that. We'll also be having conversations to work with New York City Bar Association standing committees to see how we can partner and together on some of the work we're doing. For example, they're working with the uh, DEI committee and also the Technology Cyber and Privacy Law Committee are just two examples. And lastly, I'll note is we will also look to convene CLE programs, right? What we, you and I have talked about when we're having these discussions, we're looking to focus on the issue by educating people, engaging, and also facilitating action. And so those are the three, I guess, themes that we'll be focusing on with the work that we'll do. But Jolivet, I would like to ask you, and you've mentioned this, so that's the work of the committee. What are some of the high-level solutions that you see at this point that you think we could be working on? The committee that we have, of course, this initial podcast is, is one thing, but the city bar as a whole, we, the city bar, we lend our voice to legislation. We lend mm -hmm. our voice to making sure that our comments and the comments of the community are heard. So that's probably the biggest way that we can have an impact is keeping track of what is happening at the three levels, at the city level, at the state level, and at the federal level, and making sure that we are actively engaged with our legislators. And that's something that the city bar does very well when we write our reports and we write our comment letters. I mean, on the Consumer Affairs Committee, we do this quite frequently and we have seen results. So that's one way, and that's probably one of the biggest ways that we, we um, can lend our voice to helping solve this problem. And then we're just have to think about ways to ensure that this issue is being solved in an equitable manner. So if we think about AI, and AI is so big right now, and that's why I'm bringing it up. And right. it's also a very scary tool, if you think about it, because it could be used for good, and it could also be used for things that are not so good. So while we're providing information about access and everyone's actively engaged in these tools, we have to make sure, as you said, the right information is being provided and that's also being used in a manner that doesn't cause further inequities. So it's also staying on top of that and 
again, education is so important with these things because we want to make sure that no one is being disadvantaged or taken advantage of by these new technologies. And again, I say AI is at the top because AI is being used to make credit decisions in some instances. And that that can cause a whole lot of problems for those who get that wrong algorithm. (laughs) That's a whole other topic that we could talk about in financial service and just how it's either helping or not helping. And then there, there was recently, to that AI point, the mm. executive order from President Joe Biden that was recently released talking right. about that very same topic where we want to make sure that it's being used in a safe and sound manner because we do have to protect the American people. We do have to protect the, in New York City, the citizenry of our home state because we want people to have access because they need that access. Again, as we mentioned before, to do just sometimes basic everyday things, even sometimes even just ordering food. So we want to make sure that it's being used in a healthy way. So we have a lot of work to do, but it's good work. And so far, (laughs) I think what what we're doing and what we're going to do going forward is going to yield a a lot of good results. No, you're exactly right. I would encourage people to read the executive order and the issues discussed therein particularly the, the focus on not exacerbating existing inequities through the use of AI and being very thoughtful. I, and I would say we're talking about AI, but it's just with these, with technology innovations in general, in terms of just thinking about the implementation and the um, impact are, are so broad and have implications with, as you mentioned, just across the board. So we hope that people listening to this will understand the broad implications. While there are broad implications, engaging in solutions um, can have significant beneficial impact as well. So there are major challenges, but could be major upside to being engaged in the development of solutions that can help lead to ways to eradicate the, the gap. Well, Joe Levera, leave it to you to close this out. Thank you. This is such a fun conversation. And I feel that there are so many other topics that we could talk about, but we don't have the time. So I want to thank everyone who is listening and especially the City Bar and the Digital Technology Task Force for allowing us to discuss this topic. And we invite everyone, both at the City Bar and beyond, to listen to this and all the other podcasts that the Task Force has released. And we also encourage you especially if you're a City Bar member, to become engaged and get involved, whether it's just with the City Bar or with the Digital Technology Task Force, and help us in this effort to make access to all of these fabulous resources equitable for all, because this is our future, and this is just not for the benefit of one, it's for the benefit of all. So thank you again, and talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New York City Bar Association podcast. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you listen. Find more City Bar podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, or at our website at www.nycbar.org slash podcasts. Be sure to check out This Lawyer's Life, a professional development podcast 
where we talk with lawyers about seizing opportunities, learning lessons the hard way, and about what makes them tick. And don't miss Building Belonging, a podcast that embraces authentic conversations about DEIB solutions by amplifying the most marginalized voices in the legal industry and exploring spaces others dare not. This podcast was produced and edited by Eli Cohen.